I wanted to start the show with a different tone today. So, I'm a Civil War enthusiast. I am by no means a historian, a specialist, a subject matter expert, nor do I hold any qualifications to teach you anything about the subject. I, I, I read a lot of books on the matter, sometimes the journals of the soldiers who fought and died in that war. I watch plenty of movies and documentaries, and I even collect things, like I'm surrounded, for example, by model cannons, uh, black powder pistols, and, and, uh, and, and replicas. Uh, I even collect artwork and uh, historical flags from both Union and Confederate regiments. Uh, there's a slight possibility that it is an obsession more than an enthusiasm. When we look back at these great and terrible events in our nation's short history, oftentimes you hear this boasting, prideful talk of how the South fought not primarily over slavery, but something nobler, like states' rights. In fact, I would even argue that there is some truth in that, and that there is truth in the fact that many Southerners that took up arms in the war did so in defense of their homelands. We are, after all, talking about the 1860s. To say that today's perspectives, practices, common beliefs, and morality in general were the same at that time is a ludicrous statement. The world was a wholly different place. They did not think like we do. They did not act like we do. They did not politic like we do. And they did not view life in the same light as we do. So on and so forth. Think about this. Back in that time, you're talking about the 1860s, which is a, roughly 100 years. Less, in fact. After the inception of the nation, after the birth of the very nation, creating America. And if you look into how people's mindsets were at the time... Uh, being proud of the state in which you lived in in America was was a big thing. It's probably not so much anymore. And and I mean, like you might hear people say, oh, "I'm proud to be a you know I'm proud to be a Delawarean." Said no one ever. Or I'm proud to be a Floridian. I'm uh, Texans. They're kind of proud to be Texans. I'm sorry to say it. Uh, C California people. I don't know. It's a mixed bag. Uh, half of them are illegal anyway. Oh god. oh god, he said a horrible racist joke. How terrible. I, I, I'm, that's not racist to say that somebody's here illegally. Especially because I've talked about those kinds of reforms and things like that. The fact is that people carry themselves very pridefully of their home state. I think it's brilliantly highlighted in, uh, in, in content you'll read about the 1700s and the 1800s. People were proud to be you know, North Carolinians. They were proud to be Virginians. They were proud to be Maine people. They, they were very proud of their home fronts. That's part of what makes the whole Civil War thing very, very complex. To say that the war was over slavery, very simplistic and, and trimming a lot of perspective out of the whole thing. You're talking about an event that was over 150 years ago. 
the times were very, very different. They, they, nobody at that time was thinking like people today think. Number one. The sad fact about that war and that time period is there was still the idea in all of our founding documents and the Declaration of Independence where it so emphatically declares, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those are truly exceptional words when it comes to a national decree, a, 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 a government-based on preserving the rights of the people, the rights of all mankind, which include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that all mankind is created equal. Until recently, I was naive enough to think that that just simply applied to Americans, that the whole concept and idea was that here in America, we treat you that way, it was libertarian party chairman Nicholas Sarwark who opened my eyes to the difference no the passage reads all men and just to tackle another historical hurdle let us not have hang-ups on the word men because I know there's some feminist out there who's saying yeah men patriarchy no Okay, this is 2017. When we read th this declaration, when we read this all men bit, now we understand it to be all humankind. As I've recently seen Nicholas Starwark state, all, not just those lucky enough to be born here in America. When we say we hold these truths to be self-evident, we don't just mean on the American continent, we mean humanity. We mean people. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, not all Americans, not all men, not all women, uh, not all white Americans, uh, not all black Americans, all, everybody, humanity, the entire world, everybody that is born has unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and all we have is different continents and different governments all chipping away at those fundamental rights. I always am baffled when people talk about America and say, America isn't that great. And they start bringing up other countries in the world, and they start looking at other examples. And they act like America is the only one that has problems. They act like America is the one that doesn't get it. They act like America is the one that's backwards. I don't think we are. Despite such inspiring, clear words, America continued to practice in slavery, a vile institution that has plagued humanity since its inception and touched many different peoples on many different continents throughout human history. 
I hope everybody out there realizes that racism, enslavement, lynching, beating, war, famine, turmoil, it's not just all limited to Africans or the black race. It's been around forever. Doesn't matter who the target is. The concept of slavery is vile. Especially on the fact that let's take a look at slavery in the United States. It was taken at a time. I mean, we're not going to dive into the little nuances about how it was African people themselves rounding up and selling off other Africans. The fact of the matter is that slavery was deemed okay because people looked at African American or African American. They looked at black people at that time. Back in the 15, 16, 1700s, 1800s even, they looked at black people as not people. They looked at them as property. Pretty vile. Pretty despicable. Disgusting. They thought it was okay to buy and sell and, and use them in hard labor because they did not pay them the respects of being an equal human being. When, when I hear people talk about the Civil War, when I hear people bring up the whole states' right argument and all that, Different times, different cultures, different perspectives, different mindsets, different mor- different moralities. You had a lot of different things. Did you have people take up arms to defend their home state because it was being invaded by a federal centralized government and... That's not initially what America was founded on. Sure, you, you did have people who t- took up arms because, as far as they were concerned, concerned, a federal government was invading their state, their homeland, even though many people look at it as a federal government trying to keep a nation intact. The fact of the matter is, is that even if you went the state's rights argument, Even if you want to look at Robert E. Lee and say, well, he was fighting, he took up the sword to defend his homeland, Virginia. Yes, he did. He believed that slavery was a state's rights issue. There's the problem. The problem is they looked at this nasty, vile thing and they accepted it and they said it was a state's rights issue. Instead of looking at the founding documents and saying, these are people, we said all men are created equal, these are human beings. These are these are people that should be equal unto us. No, they said it should be a state's rights issue. I mean, is it possible that we can just say 
like one of the reasons that I am such a Civil War enthusiast that I that I'm so focused that I, that I really like that aspect of of our history. I won't even say like that I appreciate it is because there's it's so complex of an issue. It's so easy just to say oh it was this and that's all it was and you know people lost and 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 that's it is what it is. My appreciation for it, my my obsession with it, which I'm pretty sure I'll take to my grave. I don't think there will ever be a time that I'll just walk away and, and be like, oh, I'm done being an enthusiast of this stuff. I'm, I'm done with it. You don't buy model cannons and have your father's flintlock black powder must, you know, flintlock black powder dueling pistol kit because it looks cool. I don't collect all these flags, which is something I'll talk about some other time, but I don't collect all these flags because they look cool. It's because they carry a deep history behind them. We had a civil war in this nation when we were so young, and at the end of the day, you could say nobody won that war. You could say that just a lot of people died. A lot of people gave their lives. Some of them to the idea of the United States nation being a place where all men could be free and fair and equal. And some people who were who died defending their homelands thinking that a federal government was invading into a territory they weren't allowed to invade into. Uh, even though, at the end of the day, that loyalty to a home state was misplaced because at the end of the day, everybody should have been standing up, going back to the words of the Declaration of Independence. So, so Charlottesville. You saw a nasty side of humanity, albeit... The vile, evil, hate-filled people you saw, the white supremacists that you saw, the neo-Nazis that you saw, those people who emphatically, pridefully declare that they are neo-Nazis, neo-national socialists. Who believe... in the white race and promoting the white race and, and bring things back to race. Their number is not as great as the media would make it out to be. But their numbers are shortchanged by people like President Donald Trump and people on the right. And we all know in reality, any number greater than zero in terms of, of white supremacy and, and neo-Nazi, any number greater than zero is bad, is wrong. Now, mind you, we're not even talking about the right to assemble and protest and all that. We're not. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. 
we are we are simply talking about the subject matter. Yeah, you have the right to go out and, and, and protest as long as it's peaceful. And mind you, this this peaceful protesting uh, didn't stay peaceful very long. Because when the subject matter that you're protesting is white supremacy, well, you might ruffle some feathers there. This is why I speak out against white supremacy. This is why I speak out against Antifa. This is why I speak out against a lot of different things. And I mean a lot of different things. What you saw in Charlottesville, a person died because somebody just plowed their car into a massive pile of protesters on the street. Yes, I do. Yes, I am that guy that says, get out of the road. I am that guy. And I am that guy that says, if, you're not, if you don't get out of the road, you deserve getting plowed into. This person... And you can watch the videos of it. This person gets in the car, lines up against the crowd of protesters, and just plows through them. And people, people want to argue over whether the driver was on the white supremacy side or the Antifa side. And what his target was. Instead of saying, the guy driving the car was wrong. No, we want to sit here and we want to nitpick. Who started the fight? Who started the violence? Who started? Who riled up who? And of course, we all want to lump it into groups. Instead of looking at individuals and how individuals acted and how individual people did things. So with that being said, if you're in white supremacy, yeah, I guess that's your right. But man, you have a bad mindset. And if you're Antifa, hate to break this to you, but you are a fascist in your own right. Do people not understand the definition, the, the what, what fascism means? Allow me to read you the definition. A political philosophy, movement, or regime that exalts nation above the individual and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. A.K.A. I have seen fascists on the right, and I have seen fascists on the left. It's called extremism. It's called you people who are diehard, who believe that you, you and your side can do no wrong.
I'm I'm tired of nitpicking. I'm tired of I'm tired of this whole will the left will the right will the left will the right will the left will the right. When Antifa was shutting down speeches on college campuses with violence, destruction, I spoke out against it because it's wrong. When white supremacists gather to to talk about how white supremacy will rule the land and will come back tenfold and and wave flags that have the freaking swastika on them and they talk about how they're neo-Nazis and they actually praise Donald Trump's response because Donald Trump refuses to name white supremacists as a problem. Well, I'm sorry, you're wrong too. When will this extremism end? That's what I'm left wondering. That actually went a lot longer than I anticipated. I didn't anticipate to be kicking up the theme music 20 minutes into the podcast, but we've obviously had the Charlottesville incidents that have occurred, and I think I've said enough on that as we speak. So now it's time to switch focus, take some of the same subject matter about this whole humanity business, take a look at North Korea. I I, I do, I am going to dive in and talk about Donald Trump's response to this and why it matters. And I have a couple other things on my mind as well. So get ready and tighten your seatbelts. You've sat through 20 minutes. Get ready for like 20 more. Because this is Fritzcast. Never thought I'd have to open up my podcast speaking out against white supremacy. I mean, it is, this is 2017, right? How are people walking around in the streets with American flags that are somehow cross-comboed with uh, Nazi flags. Nazi flags. Nazi flags. Swastika. Nazi flags. That's a little nuts. Is it not? I like to try to enjoy my time in between podcasts, like, you know, reading a book and uh, enjoying my life. But then I have all these news clippings and news, like, videos. They have on video the car plowing in. A girl died because of it. Oh yeah, the revolution's gonna be televised. And by the way, they kinda suck. So obviously I've been a little busy bee. Because I put out a podcast on Friday. I don't know if you caught it. Friday with Fritz. Yeah, it made an appearance. I know it was like the second one in the history of the world. But I had the time. I sat down and I talked about... I forget what the hell I talked about. What the hell did I talk about? This, this, this is this is what I'm talking about. My mind is so scrambled sometimes. Let me go on my SoundCloud. Oh, that's right. The Google memo. Duh. Um, because of that controversy. So I don't really need to touch up on the Google memo. If you want to hear my thoughts on that, just listen to the podcast episode. It's called the Google memo. 
what's wrong with you? You should have already listened to it anyway. Now you just have more to catch up on it, and that's on you. It's not on me. It's on you. So, uh, you know, between then and now, um, I've, I enjoy my Fridays off. It's so great. I got a, I went out and I did a bunch of yard work. Uh, after I'm done this, I'll probably ride my bike for a little bit. It's been a been a hot minute since I rode my bike. More than a week, I think. Uh, I'm not see. I'm not so sure. I can't keep stuff straight anymore. I need to bring out calendars and start writing stuff down. Is this a sign of old age? I'm only 28 years old. Oh my god, am I having a midlife crisis? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, with the madness that the world is in, I might not get to a midlife crisis. I don't know. So uh, the the point is is that I'm probably gonna go ride my bike, which will be enjoyable. Uh, it'll get the heart, get the get the old ticker going. Listen to some music, clear my mind a little bit because this. I mean, I, everything has just been so jumbled, man. Uh, crazy. I'm getting ready for a crazy week ahead of me uh, because I have overtime scheduled on Tuesday and Thursday. Friday, I have to go pick up a tux. Saturday is a rehearsal wedding thingy. You know, those things. Yeah, you know, the the wedding rehearsal thingies. Duh. That's what they're called. I got that. Sunday, I have a wedding. Jay, Sean, and Luther are finally getting married. It's it's not just talk anymore. It's actually happening. It's actually going to be a thing. So that's happening on Sunday. Monday and Tuesday, I'm working Jay Sean's shifts because he shift traded with me, or I shift traded with him, rather, so that they could have, you know, like a little mini honeymoon type of thing. That's what that's what we do in the corrections world. That's what we do. So I'm going to be doing that. And then uh, Wednesday and Thursday, working normal. Probably, probably have a freeze coming up in there, which sucks, but part of the job so I'll suck it up and be a man and not complain about it and uh, then I'll be on a four day weekend which will include some beach time great way to close out the summer and uh, my next big trip that me and my wife are plotting are, is a trip to Gettysburg which I am if you guys know me and how I just talked about the Civil War and how I've been talking about certain things and all that you guys know I'm ecstatic for that trip I am really looking forward to spending a whole day just on the battlefield, checking out all the monuments and all the place markers and uh, all the cannons, everything. I'm going to be in love for a full day, and hopefully I'll have my cell phone on me and I'll take pictures, maybe snap a few videos, but I'm not going to pay attention to one damn bit of whatever's going on out in the world because I'm, I'm, it's hard. It is really hard right now. So my my opening on Charlottesville, uh, the crazy events going on. I can't believe that there's still uh, groups of white supremacy folk who will wave flags and banners and uh, have such dangerous rhetoric, man. Uh, very very dangerous rhetoric. I I want everybody to note too. I mean, you've heard me speak out against Antifa. You've heard me speak out against silencing people's freedom of speech. Those are all things that are not part of the subject matter here. Yeah, you can have free speech all you want. That doesn't mean that you're free from the judgment of people. And you're not free from consequences of 
your actions. So, like, the pictures that I see being passed around of, you know, hey, pass these pictures around to these people's companies so that they can get fired because they're white supremacists. Again, a private company has the right to, to do that if they found their people engaging in such things and they don't want to be associated with it. They absolutely have the right to do that. Hence, uh, my Google Memo podcast. I said I didn't. I wasn't arguing Google and their right to terminate employment with the individual. I was more so targeting Google for the fact that they say that they're open and inclusive, but they're not. They're not to conservative ideas or people who are not on the progressive left, so to speak. And the fact that they tout that that isn't, they aren't the type that's going to discriminate based on that things, yet they just did with their Google memo, man, James DeMort. So I'm okay with the responses that are coming in with it. Uh, the, the thing that I'm not okay with is saying that it's all right-wing stuff, saying that this is every conservative, everybody that voted for Donald Trump voted for what happened in Charlottesville. That's not true. That's not true. Now, the criticisms against Donald Trump and his response are absolutely, absolutely warranted. Why? Let's read Donald Trump's tweet about the incident. Trump's initial tweet was, quote, We all must be united and condemn all that hate stands for. There's no place for this kind of violence in America. Let's come together as one. Am in Bedminster for meetings and press conference on VA and all that we have done and are doing to make it better. But Charlottesville's sad. Deepest condolences to the families and fellow officers of the VA State Police who died today. You are among the best in the nation's best this nation produces. Condolences to the family of the young woman killed today, and best regards to all of those injured in Charlottesville, Virginia. So sad. Now, um, best regards is kind of odd. I don't know who best regards those injured. I, I get it. He's not a word master. He's not a master of words. But the condemnation that uh, that Donald Trump supposedly took there is very mild, very, very mild, very vague. And, yeah, it is a problem. Why? You're talking about a guy who specifically has targeted and tweeted certain things. Radical Islamic terrorism, which I'm one of the people who argues isn't a bad thing to say. There is a radical branch of Islamic terrorism. In fact, when he spoke in Saudi Arabia, while he didn't say radical Islamic terrorism, he said radical Islamicists, which is what they say in Saudi Arabia over the over it apparently. There's that. He specifically targets crooked Hillary Clinton, crazy James Comey. He specifically goes out and targets the people that he wants to attack, the people that he's against, and what has he not done in this situation? He hasn't stood up and said white supremacy is a bad thing. That's all that's that's all people want to hear him say is is to hear him stand up and say white supremacy is a bad thing. White supremacy uh we shouldn't follow these people. These people shouldn't be listened to. Yes, they do have, uh, in terms of constitutional rights and all that, they do have a right to free speech and they can spew their hate, but we shouldn't listen to it. We shouldn't give them a platform. We shouldn't give them the attention. We shouldn't pay them the credence. And 
we should fight and stand against it. So simple, but he can't say it. Instead, here's his press conference clippings. But we're closely following the terrible events unfolding in Charlottesville, Virginia. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides, on many sides. It's been going on for a long time in our country. Not Donald Trump, not Barack Obama. This has been going on for a long, long time. It is no place in America. What is vital now is a swift restoration of law and order and the protection of innocent lives. No citizen should ever fear for their safety and security in our society. And no child should ever be afraid to go outside and play or be with their parents and have a good time. I just got off the phone with the governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, and we agreed that the hate and the division must stop and must stop right now. We have to come together as Americans with love for our nation and true affection, uh, really, and I, I say this so strongly, true affection for each other. Our country is doing very well in so many ways. We have record, just absolute record employment. We have unemployment, the lowest it's been in almost 17 years. We have companies pouring into our country, Foxconn and car companies and so many others. They're coming back to our country. We're renegotiating trade deals to make them great for our country and great for the American worker. We have so many incredible things happening in our country. So when I watch Charlottesville, to me, it's very, very sad. I want to salute the great work of the state and local police in Virginia. Incredible people, law enforcement, incredible people. And also the National Guard. They've really been working smart and working hard. They've been doing a terrific job. Federal authorities are also providing tremendous support to the governor. He thanked me for that. And we are here to provide whatever other assistance is needed. We are ready, willing, and able. Above all else, we must remember this truth. No matter our color, creed, religion, or political party, we are all Americans first. We love our country. We love our God. We love our flag. We're proud of our country. We're proud of who we are. So we want to get the situation straightened out in Charlottesville, and we want to study it. And we want to see what we're doing wrong as a country where things like this can happen. My administration is restoring the sacred bonds of loyalty between this nation and its citizens. But our citizens must also restore the bonds of trust and loyalty between one another. We must love each other, respect each other, and cherish our history and our future together. So important. We have to respect each other. Ideally, we have to love each other.
Okay, so maybe on the cusp, the message of, of hey, we need to come together, we need to love each other, uh, yeah, that's good. But did you notice, uh, for lack of a better term, did you notice the pussyfooting around the whole white supremacy thing about directly condemning? Donald Trump directly confronts and directly condemns what he doesn't like. He does it directly. He does it in their face. He does it to get their attention. He hasn't this time. He hasn't. He hasn't this time. And it's probably because there's a diehard... 30% that has always backed Donald Trump. Donald Trump can do no wrong. Donald Trump's exactly what America needed. Donald Trump is is, uh, the the new king, the savior of America. Donald Trump is the man. Donald Trump's the one who's going to do it. Do you notice putting this guy up on a pedestal? You notice that. You see that. Why so vague, President Trump? Why so vague? too vague and much that I would condemn Donald Trump for not speaking out against this I condemn Democratic leaders for not speaking out against Antifa plain and simple how about North Korea though now that's something that people are freaking out about hey we're on the we're on the brink of nuclear war we are on the brink of nuclear war you know when we're not busy killing each other over stupidity in Charlottesville, for example. When we're not busy doing that, we're busy freaking out about how Donald Trump's acting towards North Korea. Now, I have to condemn people who say that Donald Trump's trying to ruffle the feathers. They look at how Donald Trump has uh, said, oh, oh, North Korea, if they strike against us, will be met with fire and fury the likes the world has never seen. Talking about Donald Trump's trying to incite nuclear warfare. Impeach him, generalist. If you do not impeach him, you will be remembered in history. This ridiculous, this idioticness. Now, first off, North Korea. The Glenn Beck's been talking about it a lot, actually. And I, I you know, some people are not Glenn Beck people, but I'm, I urge you, listen to some of the stuff he said about North Korea because it's starting to make sense. For instance. We're all looking at North Korea. A bunch of people look at this North Korea situation and they're like, just bomb the crap out of them. Drop a nuke on them. End it. You know, he's a fat, crazy bastard. They're all crazy. Stop and step back for a minute. The North Korea thing, people just focus on Kim Jong-un. That's it. That's all the people are focusing on lately. They're not focusing on the fact that there are people in North Korea. The North Korean people, they are in concentration camps. Three generations can be locked up at the hands of the government there because they spoke out against the government, because they spoke out against Kim Jong-un. The North Korean people more or less are slaves. And Kim Jong-un, he's not crazy. He's not crazy. Stop, Stop with this writing off Kim Jong-un is just a crazy, fat, stupid dummy wanting to start a war. He is a madman. He's evil. And he's smart. And he has a plan. And, and what is his plan? 
What is the end goal? What is the end game? What's he going for here? You talk about a guy who nobody on the inside of Korea is going to go against him. Because as far as anybody in North Korea is concerned, once Kim Jong-un dies, that's it. There's nobody to secede him. There's nobody left in that family. It was supposed to be all that family. There's no heirs to the empire. It all begins and ends with Kim Jong-un. And Kim Jong-un needs to be a bully. Kim Jong-un needs to go around and poke poke people with a stick and use big words and make threats left and right. You just can't gloss over them. What, what, what do you expect Donald Trump as a president to do? Just sit there and be like, ah, it's North Korea. Ah, you, you're pathetic. You want him to just shove uh, Kim Jong aside like he did that dude at the press conference or the, the, the summit conference? Is that what you expect? No, Donald Trump does have to come out strong against that, and he does by saying that the United States is ready to roll. China has told North Korea, hey, if you poke the bear with the stick, if you, if, if, if you make shots fired and America strikes back, you're on your own, buddy. We're not going to back you. But China, don't take those words too kindly because China equally said to us, hey, if you instigate something, if you do a preemptive strike, we're going to stir the pot. We're going to start some shit with you. That's what China said. And now we have what I like to call the World Grand States Pissing Contest. But in all of this, in all that's going on, and mind you, yes, I'm, I'm not going to dive too much into the details about the, the North Korea, the concentration camps, and stuff like that. I implore you, go, um, go listen to Glenn Beck's program. Look up Michael Malice. Michael Malice. Uh, very subjective on the matter. Knows a lot of what's going on. Has a good perspective on it. And is a good resource for information. Uh, so check check those out. But I will say this. People need to remember. Mind you, I don't have the confidence uh, in Donald Trump. But I know the world seems like it's mad and going to shit. Pardon my French. But in, in this whole nuclear standoff thing, just remember, we did go through a Cold War with the Soviet Union and missiles were pointed by us at them and them at us and it was a standoff but we somehow made it through we made it through thanks to leadership such as John F. Kennedy among other things we, we made it through leadership good leadership Hopefully the people that are around Donald Trump have enough influence to help him be a leader in this case, in that sense. Hopefully. Hopefully. But let's just take a step back and realize that, you know, the world's not ending tomorrow. At least not hopefully. Hopefully it's not ending tomorrow. But that's going to do it for me for this episode. So I'm going to thank you guys for listening. Thanks for listening. Remember, this is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music. Share that to the world. I'm on Twitter at FritzQS, F-R-I-T-Z-Q-S on Twitter. 
facebook.com slash the fritzcast and as always fritzcast.wordpress.com expect some entries later this week thank you love you and i'll see you next week <laughs>